This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hi, I'm Misa. And today we're going to talk about A Walk Among the Tombstones, a 1992 novel by Lawrence Block. And uh, this is a controversial book, I guess. For controversial among among us, anyway. Amongst us. Um, I didn't recall, you know, exactly what happened in the plot. I, just I was going to ask you, did you remember what this was about before you suggest, hey, no. Julie, Misa, hey, ladies, <laughs> what about this book? <laughs> well, no, I, did, I guess I didn't. Um, we lost Julie. She... she <laughs> Found it to be too graphic, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I, I, I mean, I think in listening to it myself, I'm like, damn, this is really graphic. Yeah. Um, but it's one of the things I like about Lawrence Block is that he he goes places that other people will not go. Mm-hmm. Um, that they're just way too taboo. Yeah. Um, so is this? I wanted to ask you: Is this him? Like, are 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 all are all of the books the, the Matt Scudder books like this? Like I know that he's like prolific. I was looking at his list. Yeah, he's stuff. super prolific. Crazy, but are all the Matt Scudder books this visceral? Um, no. He he has some pure comedy sort of style books. Well, not pure, I guess. Um, he's got some comedic books that are. Lighter and fluffier. With this, um, with this detective, this character. No, 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 not yeah, with this. Character. That's what this I meant. Is, this guy. Yeah. So, um, I was, I was thinking about how I would classify it. Um, this is, you know, people talk about different genres. This is really what hard boiled is. Yeah. Is that? Yeah, well, and all this that. This is hard boiled more than like Philip Marlowe, which was what I thought hard boiled was. Yeah, and the, I was to the ways of the world. It is hard boiled. That's also hard boiled, right? But um, the the graphic stuff there um, is much uh, less to do with with uh, you know the visceral stuff as it is to do with um, sort of psychological. Mm-hmm. And we have a little psychology in here, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. not a ton, um, but. They're both sort of existential too. I don't know if you noticed. Yeah, I did. That amongst all the all the gore. Um, but I think I think this is uh, it, the reviews on it are mixed uh, as they are on the movie. Although I think probably for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I I think it's more powerful when you deal with the subject honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of, or, I mean, I know he's a liar for a living. That's what he does, right? He writes books, but, fiction, and, and and he also talks about how the character is a lot does is a liar. He said cops are liars for a living, and so is his girlfriend. She right. lies for a living too. Like there was a, a like a strong through line of that in it, and mm-hmm. everybody was lying. I'm gonna put your wife, and your wife's gonna be there. Your wife's gonna be here. Your wife's not gonna be in tiny pieces in your car. Right. It was all lies on lies. Yeah, and uh, I mean, even though I think we can trust the narrative of our narrator, right? The the main character, Matthew Scudder. I think uh, I I don't think he gives us reason to to doubt that he's giving us the facts as he sees oh, oh, them, right. so he recalls them. Yeah, yeah. I, 
I think other than that, he, he also doesn't fully understand himself. Um, so when he says things like, I don't know why I didn't take the money or that sort of thing, yes. I think we can believe that. That, that was funny. That reminded me very much of, of, um, that, the other one, uh, Marlo, who wouldn't take money either. Like, what is That's with these detectives? Well, I think that that really does have something to do with the hard boiledness, right? Uh huh. Um, they, they are knights in shining armor or knights in tarnished armor, right? Right. Um, Philip Marlowe is, is, uh, he's a great character, um, and the books are, are cool, but, uh, they're still Agatha Christie style murder mysteries. Mm -hmm. You know, Agatha Christie, it kills a lot of people in her novels. Um, but the motivations are very high touch. Very esoteric sort of <laughs> motivations, and the murders are usually poison, right? And yeah. the body is not dripping with all the gore associated with actual death. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things I like about Lawrence Block is he, he makes the villains um, have actual reasons for what they're doing. Um, and I, I just thought, like, the way the movie handled it, it sort of turned what was I, I I've seen it twice now and okay I, I hadn't reread the book since uh when I watched the movie the first time so I didn't remember how unfaithful it is and how faithful it is uh-huh but it's I mean the opening of that movie right starts with a beautiful woman being caressed by a man right mm -hmm. <laughs> um and then, oh, you see, there's another man there. And they say, oh, that's unusual. And then you see she's crying. And you say, wait a second. Wait a second. This, this is not what we thought it was, right? And um, <laughs> I think what they're doing there is kind of playing against what the book is really doing, which is it's that's sort of what Hollywood does, right? It makes things flashy and sexy and attractive, right? Mm-hmm. This is more like um, men have evil, horrible desires, and some of them will do those evil, horrible desires. Or maybe not all men have evil, horrible desires. But uh, some men will do horrible, horrible things, and uh, some men won't stand for that. Right. So, and and I'm the knight in shining armor, and, I, and my my main reason to do this is to save this girl, not for the money. Right. Right. Or it's it's just, you know, it's the right thing to do. And what I like is, uh, I, did I send you the video where Lawrence Block talks about how he created the character? Uh, I saw the interview with, with Craig Ferguson. Was there a oh, different okay. one? Yeah, there's a, there's a ton. Craig Ferguson was a really funny character. Uh, I don't know. Did you watch his show? I, I just watched that interview. Okay. Um, he, he's a funny character. He had a funny show. But uh, he he really is a big fan of Lawrence Block. Every time Lawrence Block had any new paperback or hardback book out, he would always have him on, mm -hmm. which is almost never happens on TV is that you get a writer yes. showing up on a guest show, you know, like. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Stephen King, maybe every once in a while would show up on The Tonight Show or something. Stephen King performs, though. Yeah, yeah, but also he's like, you know, he's the most famous. Lawrence Block is, he's well known. He's very, you know. I, I, I didn't know him until this. And then yeah. and I was like, where, where have I been living? Well, you know, it's a, it's, he's sort of a genre writer. Mm -hmm. 
but um, I think there's there's something really special about this book, and I I guess that's why I recalled this one in particular. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't read the whole of the series. There's like I don't know twenty books in the series. Um, I think there's eighteen. Yeah, something like that. I've read maybe half of them, or maybe less than half of them. Um, what what did you think between the movie and the book? Yeah, so like uh, uh, that that thing where they they have the naked woman at the beginning, and then you see the two men, and you think, whoa, this is this is unexpected. And then you know the book doesn't do anything like that, right? No, not at all. And th- that uh, some of the things like. I just think they're afraid of the wrong things in Hollywood. And that's why I love this book so much is because it's so different from other things. It's so, uh, so one of the things I really like about it is you don't see it in, in the movie. And I think it contrasts so much better is why did they, why did they change the character's name and, and, uh, uh, skin, skin color. I I was wondering that too. From Kuri to Christo. Uh huh. And I think I know why. Why? Because they're racist. <laughs> because they're racist, but but yeah. Hollywood loves to make. Oh, because you want you don't want a sympathetic Eric character. Is that what yeah. you're saying? Really? You no, because they're afraid to have a sympathetic, uh, a sympathetic Arab. And I was going to say sympathetic criminal who is an Arab, right. but he's not the right kind of Arab for what Hollywood would want to do and make it about that. You know. Yeah, I guess I because because that was a weird choice. That was it was a weird choice, and nothing else in the movies really changed. Well, uh, ending was changed. Um, no, no, I mean by um. Oh, you mean like characters? names yeah. or or races or anything like that, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, TJ is still in in the movie, although I think he screwed up as well. Yes. Yeah. Um and. Uh, they eliminated the girl, uh, Elaine, I think is her name. Elaine. Um, and I, I kind of understand why they did that. They eliminated Mick Ballou, who's ba- barely in the book anyways. Uh-huh. Makes sense. But uh, they kept all the other names as pretty close as possible. They, they even kept her going to the same, like the Arab market to buy. That, uh, yeah, that's right. Like, right. It was really strange. And they turned. Uh, she she was a a busty, um, dark haired beauty, uh, twenty five years old or so, and one hundred twenty five pounds or mm-hmm. one hundred twenty pounds, whatever it was. Um, they turned her into the palest, whitest woman you've ever seen. Maybe it's more sympathetic that way. I think it's just uh, they are afraid of. A disra- you know, disrailing the movie based on what everybody would say if they had a beautiful Arab woman being raped uh, at the beginning of a movie. Right? It has to be a white white men r- raping white women to make it uh, not be, huh? Palatable. Yeah, more palatable, <laughs> I guess. Right? I mean, it, it, the movie is a lot more palatable than the, the book. The movie was so much easier to digest yeah. than the book, but but. I, I I was wondering why, like, I mean, you would think that visually that kind of, for one thing, they didn't show, they couldn't show what you read. Like it didn't, it That's didn't right. you didn't feel it cutting you. Like it didn't, it wasn't personal. It wasn't in your head. Like That's this right. book, which was, which I was like, 
cringing. I honestly, like, I sometimes have to put the book down because mm-hmm. I couldn't. I could. I was like, he's not actually writing that. He can't be saying that. It's it true. So horrible. It is so horrible. But I think, um, I think there's <sighs> there is this tendency uh, to go against reality in <laughs> most media. Um, I mean, superheroes, right? Is is that? Mm-hmm. Um, if you watch Daredevil or oh, yeah. Jessica Those are, Jones, yeah, and I love that stuff. Yeah, it's fun. It's right? fun because, but it's but it doesn't feel real. That's the difference. This felt real. Like oh, I can God. watch, yeah. you know, Tarantino movies, and it's just like okay, it's a cartoon, it's popcorn right? time. But yeah, exactly. Not nothing like this, and and I have never in my life ever read anything like this. Like I didn't even know. I mean, obviously, I knew books like this existed, but they didn't exist in my world because I'd never picked one up. <laughs> well, it didn't exist for me until I started reading Lawrence Block either. Right? <laughs> um, he he's uh, he's got a bunch of series, right? This Matthew Scudder is it is the hard boiled series. He's got a series, uh, uh, the Bernie Rodenbar series, which is uh, very light sort of mystery comedies. Oh, okay. Uh, that yeah they uh, you know they have murder mysteries just like Agatha Christie right yeah. so some he's a burglar he's broken into somebody's home and he finds a dead body uh, while he's burglarizing and then the police show up right ah. and it's like uh oh gotta solve the murder <laughs> right? yeah um, very fun and you know l- light and he he's he did well with that series it's probably twenty books as well or I, I, I actually have a list because I I was like. I couldn't believe it. So he had, he had 18 Matthew Scudder, 11 of those Bernie Rodenbar, 8 Evan mm-hmm. Tanner, 5 Chip Harrison, 5 Keller, 5 mm-hmm. written as Jill Emerson, 3 as Paul Cavanaugh, 13 written as Sheldon Lord, 8 written. Like, it just goes on and on and on. He's a writing machine. Yeah. He's a writing machine. Absolutely. I, I've read most of, I've sampled most of everything. Really? Um, yeah, uh, the Tanner series is uh, kind of his version of uh, James Bond. It's not really James Bond, though, because he's kind of a superhero as well. But he's <laughs> he's he, the the premise there is that uh, Evan Tanner is a uh, Vietnam vet who got a piece of shrapnel in his brain that prevents him from sleeping. Oh. And so he spends his nights studying uh, uh, foreign languages and becoming highly involved in uh, foreign politics, you know, political revolutionary movements yeah. and is a member of every revolutionary movement on the planet, uh, including ones that are sort of opposing each other, which is that sounds fun. fun. It is really fun. It's and really fun. And if I like, go into those light, there's light because he's an amazing writer. Like he is, isn't he? I, I, I was on page two or three and, and I, and I actually put a note. I'm not going to be able to put this down. And then of course I did. <laughs> <laughs> but not for the reasons that it was terrible. No, the reasons no. that it's hard to read. You yeah, know. yeah. Like he was a ma- really great writer. Yeah, he's super clear in the same way that uh, Raymond Chandler was, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you really get a sense of living with the character and their world, and yeah, uh, you're sympathetic to their uh, their foibles. Resp- <laughs> yeah, their foibles, their responses. You know, kind of makes you want to go to an AA meeting. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and there's I I learned a lot. I learned so much about AA meetings too. Uh, That's right. I did not know you had that they people went daily. I, I, I 
I think you you go times a day sometimes. Yeah, you go daily or as many times as you need to uh, when you're starting, and then later on, you. I think they go to weeklies or whatever. Well, he, he, at one point in this book, he went three times, and I was wondering if if right. the case was just like getting to him. Yeah, that, it's sort of it's shorthand for the psychology, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's what it's about. But I like. Uh, uh, what I like about this, and when I, I this might have been the first one I read of in the series, I don't remember, but there's this guy named Mick Ballou who's <laughs> not in the book, right? He plays no role in the book other than a f- couple of phone calls. That's the guy in Ireland. That's the guy in Ireland. He's a criminal. He yeah, talks about yeah. how he's how he once saw him carrying a hatchet down the street, <laughs> bag and with a head in it underneath, right? It's like. Well, that's a weird character. <laughs> that's in another book, obviously, earlier in the series. Right. TJ is another character who was earlier in the series, right? Did and you, you see- introduce these? Like, if you were read, reading them? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you go back, you'll find when they're, you meet, he, he meets those characters. But I like how um, we don't really need to have more backstory than is what it's given. When you read a Lawrence Block book, he's very, very good at sort of saying the same thing about a character we need to know a little bit about mm-hmm. the, you know, Matthew Scudder will just tell you, I once met him, blah, 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 blah. It's like we're sitting at a bar yeah. and it's telling us what, what's been going on in his life. Like we're his sponsor or something. Right. Well, yeah, I, I was seamlessly met those characters without wondering anything about them. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all, it's all good. We sort of get them from what we, we hear. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I love TJ in the book and the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, did, and, I really did love him a lot. Yeah. And I hated what they did with him in the movie. Yeah, they completely dumbed him down and they turned him into a baby. And yeah, yeah, they did. They and they even weakened him by you know giving him sickle cell anemia for no reason, mm-hmm. other than to make him more sympathetic. And I think that it's probably has to. They have to do that in movies because uh, we can't in two hours, get the sympathy uh, and the understanding and the comprehension um, that we get in a book. But it just shows how great the book is. Because you had, they had to just do a through-line direct yeah. story. Yeah. But, you know, the way TJ got involved in the story in the, in the movie is, you know, they introduce the character. Um, they have some awkward... A relation relationship at the library that mm-hmm. actually is M- Matt not getting any real help from the kid. Yeah. Right. Sort of slight floppy help and Matt helping the kid. Right. Yeah. Whereas in reality, in the, in the book, um, TJ is a modern kid. He knows all about internet. He's, he has to hustle because in reality, if you are homeless, uh, you better figure out a way to survive, right? Yeah. Um, we see his superpower in the in the movie is that he can draw. Um, in the book, his superpower is he is he's a hustler. He's streetwise, right? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he knows how to get stuff done. Did they have in the movie? Did they have um, 
those two characters, the teenagers, um, Kong, were they in the in the movie? No, not no, not not even mentioned. And and for some reason, they moved the 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 story to 1999, which doesn't make well. <laughs> it, I think I think they did that because they didn't want to have cell phones everywhere or something. I don't know. It didn't really make a lot of sense. But what I like about the book is in 1992 there was an internet, but there wasn't a uh, there was just barely a web, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Matthew Scudder's having trouble with the regular uh, phone voicemail and stuff like that. This is I'm going to try this newfangled phone forwarding. Yeah. All forwarding. Wow. I don't I don't get the technology, right? Beepers are still going, right? Yeah. Um it it makes sense as a period book and you can go back, I would say, in 50 years and read this book and really get a sense of what it was like in the world in 1991 or 1992. Mhm. I did. And you, did you I went back memory lane. Yeah. Totally. And you know, one of the things that also struck me is that uh, they talked about water mains bursting in New York, mm-hmm. and they're saying, "Why, why, why are there so many water mains bursting?" And they both agreed, "Yeah, there's a lot of sort of the infrastructures are collapsing. Why is that?" It's like, "Oh, well, now we know. Right? <laughs> we know now why the infrastructure is collapsing in 1992. Oh, it's it's because the well, the one percent of the one percent have siphoned so much of the tax revenue out of the government that they don't have any." investment in in infrastructure anymore right right it's just trying to keep things going right no no uh rebuilds no replacements no upgrades it's all patch it patch it patch it because we can't afford anything (laughs) i just think that that's so interesting it's it's like you know reading a novel written in 1931 and you say Hmm. Why is the economy so bad? Yeah, it is interesting. It's a little time capsule. It doesn't. It's not even that far away, but it did feel far away. It did. Yeah. Like close, but far away. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And TJ on his tombstone, just TJ and my beeper number. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Poor TJ is not going to be looking back fondly on that today, will he? Bad. Bad move. Hopefully, he's still alive. Yeah. Because I read that Matthew Scudder is aging at, with the books. Yes, so yes. I presume right. TJ actually has a cell phone, but he's probably got a... I would assume so, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's been a while since I read the Matthew Scudder series, because um, what happened when I first discovered Lawrence Block is uh, I, I read one of the uh, Burglar books. Actually, I read two of them, because I bought two at the same time. Um and I read them back to back and I'm like, damn, these are good. <laughs> yeah. and, and I thought, what else has this guy written? So I went out and uh, found every book I could find written by Lawrence Block. I read them all up and then I basically had read everything that was available. Uh, and then he's, he's still writing. So every you know year there would be a new book or so. And I would read those. So that Keller series. Yeah. Um, Really good series. Uh, started off as a short a series of short stories. So the first novel is actually what they call a fix-up. Um, but the subsequent ones are mostly um, novels by themselves. And that that's about a hitman um, named Keller. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's a hitman. Okay. Yeah, he's a hitman. 
Um, and he, you know, so he goes on missions to murder people and you, you follow him to, you know, he gets on an airplane, goes to Arizona, gets a gun, uh, goes to Pizza Hut, eats his lunch, goes, kills a guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's a very yeah. philosophical guy. So you don't spend a lot of time, uh, you know, he, he's not killing people because out of hot passion. He's killing people out of, cause it's his job. Right. He's a bit like, eh, it's a, it's a strange job. Mm-hmm. But uh, I do get paid, and yeah, <laughs> and so yeah, it's a weird. He's he's a weird dude, but I th- I think there's something so different. Like you, this. That's why I wanted to read it. I guess is, and I guess I didn't consider Julie's. Uh, you know, I didn't consider why I wanted to read it <laughs> again. Hmm. Sometimes you forget. You forget. Like all you remember is that the great book. Yeah. Yeah, it was a great book and had a lot of power. Mm-hmm. But um I think I'll remember though. <laughs> yeah. Did did you uh do you know who Robert Picton is? No. Okay. So uh just down the street from a block a few blocks away, maybe 10 10 15 minutes uh away by uh, foot or you know, 5 minutes by car mm-hmm. is uh the farm of a serial killer who killed a whole lot of women in uh the lower mainland here close to you from to you 10 minutes from you yeah yeah Yeah. um and it was happening uh for a long time he was finally arrested in 2002 Mm -hmm. um and he's in jail now but um the thing is is all the things that that are sort of going on in this book you know, sort of people, the institutions can't help you. Yeah. Right. Um, if you're a criminal, <laughs> you can't go to the police. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing. Right. right? That's yeah. why Matt, Matt Scudder gets involved. Yeah. Um, if you're a, if you're a, a hooker or you're a homeless person or you're a person who, you know, is on the run from his or her parents. Right. You can't go to the police when somebody harasses you. Mm-hmm. Um, and more importantly, the police don't really have a massive incentive to, you know, work on. There's, it's not that the individual police don't. It's that the institution doesn't have a massive incentive to spend a lot of resources on the people who don't uh, make political waves yeah. when you don't do stuff. So uh, Robert William Picton killed... Uh, maybe 49 women um oh my god over how long 20 years really yeah and the thing is is it wasn't like he was as careful as these guys he was less careful Mm -hmm. um but there's this thing where you know if you if you were like he one of the things that happens in the book is that uh pam and pam pam's story yeah. oh my god powerful right oh yeah pam, the and the story she recounts to matthew scudder of how they talk to her uh, yeah and, yeah. and just sort of the the mean horrible human evil that is coming out um that almost exactly took uh, happened here in that one of the women got away mm-hmm. right? survived yeah 
And they investigated. <laughs> it took like four more years before anything was, you know, anything came of it. Well, uh, he was he was like charged with like stabbing a woman. So they actually had him, charged him, and let him. Yeah, him. yeah. And it's like, what the hell, right? Yeah. Um, he it, it, they weren't trying to. He wasn't trying to. Um, uh, you know, extort money as as is done in the book, right? He wasn't blackmailing anybody because he was rich. He was rich. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he has a big farm, and the land was worth tons of money. So when they sold a little piece of it, um, you would celebrate. They would. They would. Um, it might have been. I don't. I don't know how many people were involved, but he had a brother. I don't think that anything like this could know. You can I don't think you can know that somebody else is doing. You know, keeps bringing women home. Uh all the way from downtown Vancouver for parties and stuff. Yeah. And the thing is, is my experience with police is that they might want to help you, but they can't really in many cases. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the reality. Yeah. And nobody talks about it because if you watch, you know, mainstream television. Okay. (laughs) No, just pretty much any television. Right. Any television show about justice. Yeah. It's all about um, getting justice via... Via the other guy? Outside of the like the, the system? No, no. I mean the opposite. Like the police are the way... Like So, for example, the FBI, right? Yeah. You, you get kidnapped. You get you go to the FBI. And the FBI will help you get your child or whatever back. That's not actually their main objective. Their main objective is not to look bad, right? Not to look like they fucked up. And so there's that. But then also if you're if you don't have a lot of you're not a political heavyweight um that you can, you know, light a fire under someone's ass. Yeah. It's not going to go to the top of the heap, right? It's just not they'll do what their bosses tell them to do because they have to keep their job. So it's not that the people are bad. It's that the system is screwed up so much. Yeah. But so, so with this guy, the police also had three cases that they couldn't put together. It took the guy from the outside who was dedicated to this, like not the police force. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, you know, like private eyes are the greatest. No, no. Uh, What I'm actually pointing to is that, um, the morality that we normally think about is that if we follow the law, we'll be okay. But, yeah. <laughs> if we if we do the right thing, uh, then justice will be served. Um, but I know for a fact, based on many experiences and stories uh, in the lives of people I know, mm-hmm. that's just not true. Well. <sighs> It it works if everybody's if everybody's staying the lines, towing the line, and staying within the prescribed lines. But, yeah, but but, but <laughs> there's this thing where it's it this your your number in the system, mm-hmm. right? Just like when you get on an airplane, right? You're you're kind of not a human being anymore. You're a a number in a system. You're a a seat. Yeah. And. It's, I'm not actually saying, you know, we got to abandon it and all be chaos or anything like that. But 
one of the things this book does that I think is really powerful and sort of clarified some thoughts I was probably having when I first read it mm-hmm. is that I don't need to depend on uh, other people's or not even other people on society's rules to clarify my own morality. Um, it's not that stealing is going to get me in trouble and therefore I shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that uh, murdering somebody is illegal and that's why I'm not going to do it. It has nothing to do with uh, what the what the laws are. And everybody knows this, right? So many people break the law every day, smoking marijuana or whatever it is that's illegal and they're, they're you know, drinking underage, yeah, yeah. smoking underage or whatever it is, right? They don't really care in a certain way but there's a level of it's very hard to articulate what i'm trying to say here but there's a level of we'll put up with a lot of petty law breaking but when it comes to the real things like what matt does at the end of this book is he allows this guy peter curry and his brother to essentially murder another human being that's right but and he, we're okay with yeah, it. yeah he set it up that we're all okay with that that and i think that that's right mm-hmm. and i i think that that's crazy that i come to that conclusion but i also know that the opposite way of going is is actually what superheroes are right so spider-man doesn't kill criminals he punches them that's right? yeah ties them up with his spider webs waits for the police to come that's impossible. First of all, punching people is illegal. <laughs> Second of all, Spider-Man doesn't exist. Third of all, um, if Spider-Man did those things, um, the uh, the criminal would not be prosecutable under the law because he was punched by Spider-Man. He was he was the evidence is basically destroyed, right? Um, the chain of custody went from a vigilante who is no longer able to testify against, you know, you never see Spider-Man on the witness stand, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, Superman stopping airplanes is actually more, you know, from crashing into the earth. It's actually more, int- more realistic in a certain sense than Batman uh, arresting the Joker for robbing a bank and then <laughs> uh, fleeing the scene and not being available to testify, right? Okay. Because because uh, the Joker could in, in law right the Joker has the right to face his accusers mm-hmm. and if there's a person a w- person who is so deeply involved in the criminal investigation that they actually arrest as in stop the guy tie him up and wait for the police to come and then flees the scene there's no way that the Joker would be convicted mm-hmm. right that's just the law right so um, <laughs> I'm not saying that. Um, you know, the, the two are exactly comparable, but that's one way we go. And so when we watch an Captain America movie, um, the way they usually solve this, not in the DC universe, but in the Marvel universe, oh is, I know I'm going to sort of down a rabbit hole. Book. Um, the way they solve this is by having no trials at all, basically, is that the Marvel characters punch each other uh, into submission and nobody gets arrested, right? It's sort of they're dead at the end of it, or they're okay, or or they're you know in stasis or something, so that there's no uh, legal things. But the DC universe, especially with Batman, you know, goes around punching people, mm-hmm. um, arresting them, and then 
he's sort of in cahoots with the police, right? That is all a fantasy in a way uh, that sort of the idealized justice system is a fantasy. Okay. Um, what I'm saying is when I read this book, I abandoned any last vestige, I think, of thinking that if I just follow the law, everything will be okay. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I had to sort of be like Matthew Scudder and all the other characters in the book and sort of just the, muddle through as best I could. Yeah. Like, uh, like so often in this book, the criminal elements were actually the sweetest characters. Sure. They were the nice guys. They were the helpful guys. The ones Corey brothers are way to, to give you money, to help you to, you know, stick together. Right. So, I mean, it was, it wasn't inverse that way. And you, you did want, you did want, uh, whatever happened to those two, the worst for them. Yeah. Whatever that was going to be. Um, it, it, did you know, you notice what they did in the movie for the, the ending, right? They, they make Matthew sort of the, first they give him a gun, right? Yeah. They shoot, they have him shoot the criminal, right? And then, uh, go back and save Peter. Mm-hmm. Oh no, not save Peter. He sees Peter's dead. Oh no. Who's that? They're both dead? Can't remember. <laughs> in the, yeah. in the movie, I think one or both of the brothers are dead. At the end, right? Uh, Killed by the the bad guy. Uh, the, yeah. Right? And in doing so, they avoid the moral sort of lessons of the, of the book. Where we see Peter ultimately kill himself. Hey, Peter, and, yeah, and, and, and Kenan's divine retribution. Yeah. That was... Uh, an incredibly powerful ending. And, he, and when he's, he says in the car on the ride back, um, I got, I, I got to tell you, you don't have to listen. And of course we're listening, right? We're reading the book. Mm-hmm. We can't, but help, I guess, Julie <laughs> didn't have to listen either. Right? Like if you don't, if you pull away and you don't listen to what he did, it's, it's like, he, what is he? What is Block trying to do there? I don't know, but it's really powerful. Well, and then he he pulls the car, he says, "Pull over," and he we get the sense that he just threw up after telling that yeah, story. Right? Again, he yeah. was done doing that. And it's not Matt who throws up, or we who throw up. It's the 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 the, the tor- he's not a torture. Whatever he was doing there, he was the cutter. <laughs> cutting, oh my god! Sorry. Um, well, you know, as horrible as that was, I was glad that he did it. It's, it, it makes no sense, but you're right. It's the right thing to do. It doesn't make any sense, but but it was like killing him. I don't know. It's so horrible. Uh, you know, there was one scene. I mean, there were so many scenes, but like there's this one scene that I can't even get out of my head. Um where the little girl, the fact that they that they brought a fourteen year old girl into it, like mm-hmm. you know, but then but then um, so 
she, she, they finally let her go, and she's walking towards Scudder, and and she's missing two fingers. Okay, now that as hor- like everything that they did to that little girl, and she's missing two fingers. And and as much as I didn't want to think about it, I couldn't get it out of my head because she could <laughs> hardly walk. Yep. Did 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 this thought cross your mind? I know exactly what you're thinking. You know what? And and like and so like when when at the very end when he did that to that guy with that it, with that thought in my head about that little girl. Yeah. You know like, like okay that's fine go ahead. That's right. That's right. And uh, I, what what is that? Uh, it's not Peter. It's the other Curry. Um, is it Keenan? Right, Keenan. So when Keenan um, is standing there in the in the house with that horrible monster right he can't just kill him so he he said the way i made myself able to do it was have him talk yeah yeah i tell what he had done Mm -hmm. and we're right there with him Mm -hmm. there's something very interesting about this book um the um Elaine and and Scudder, they go to plays, they go to yeah. movies, they 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 go and and um and it's like they're outside, like at the periphery of the book, they have little things where they're having their entertainment, these plays and movies yeah. and stuff. And one of the first mo- plays that they talk about is Mother Courage. Did, right, did you notice right. that? You know Mother Courage, right? Yeah, so, I'm, uh, I didn't. I didn't think about the context, but now that you may bring it up again, right? So Mother Courage is 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 theater of the uh, what do they call it? Agitation. Where this was one of the first agitprop, yeah, agitprop. Where they that's one of the first. He's one of the first um, playwrights to break the fourth wall. Where right. characters like step right out and and they want you to be upset and they like they want you to like get as mad as they are about this whole thing, mm-hmm. and, or, or about life and and that's what this book felt like. It was like nice catch, you know. The, that the he that the whole book was like that. It was like pay attention. This this is what life is like out there, and it shouldn't be. And like be mad, be upset, be scream. Because that's that's how I, I felt like I was being accosted by it. And, and, I'll, and then they talk about another one. They talk about a Croatian movie. And he says, I felt mm-hmm. like I went ten, round, 10 rounds and got hit in the face. And again, yes, that was me. So mm-hmm. their, their entertainment, my entertainment, this, that's how it, you know. You're right. That's, that's a very nice find. I, I, I think that, you know, they, they eliminate Elaine from the book completely, uh, from the movie completely. And I, I guess they have to. It's a two-hour, you know, version of a ten-hour book or however long it is. Yeah. Um, I get that, but um, he's living his life, and and that's why uh, when we go back to think about um, the Raymond Chandler, right? He's living his life, but he doesn't have a woman. He doesn't have a uh, someone who he can console, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or can, uh, be consoled can, by, by. Yeah. or just live with. And um, he's got a cat. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> it's not the same thing. <laughs> it's not the same. Well, at least in one movie, he's got, he's got, he's got the cat. Yeah. Um, but it drops so much of the value uh, uh, by dropping her. Mm-hmm. Um, because she, she has a moral weirdness. Everyone in this book has a moral weirdness, right? Yeah. Um, some of them are monstrous, and some of them are 
no, she's not hurting anybody. No. Um, maybe, maybe she hurt herself by, you know, that's why she's in therapy. Right? But she said it uh, saved her too. Her life saved her. Right. And which, which is interesting. Uh, like, you know, there, there's so much gray here. Exactly. And remember what she does for Pam, right? Mm-hmm. I almost said Pammy, which is not She's, a good thing. No. But it gets in your head. Yeah. And it, that's what she even said. You can call me Pamela, Pam. Just don't call me Pammy. Yeah. And I'm like, damn, right? But she says, you know, you got to get off the street. I'll get you set up in a house. <laughs> and it's like, well, that's not the ideal. And, <laughs> and, and, and then there's this weird thing that Lawrence Block does where they're in bed, right? Um, and they're talking about Pam, and she says, you could pretend I only have one breast. Oh, I know, I, I know. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Yes. And something about, yeah, yeah, I <laughs> and, and then she's saying, Elaine's saying, well, a lot of guys will dig that. <laughs> well, well, that, like, that was the thing, though, that this is at, like, how many times did they reference this could be a TV movie, that could be a movie, like, so uh, many you're times. Right, it's right. all about, like, violence is actually entertainment to be shared. Exactly. And there, there is there is a line somewhere late in the book as well, other than the, the talking about having, uh, who is it, uh, who are they going to have? Deborah Winger. Deborah Winger, play, yeah. Play Pam in the movie, right? Yeah. Um. <laughs> I love. De- uh, have you seen? Uh, I I just was looking for it the other day. Uh, Deborah Winger's in that movie called uh, uh, Black Widow. You know that movie? I uh, don't know. It's a great movie. Um, it, for some reason, it's been completely forgotten. It's from the eighties, I think, late eighties, hmm. um, and it's about uh, a FBI uh, agent who is on the trail of a woman who is a serial killer of husbands. Oh. And uh, she becomes friends with this woman who is the serial killer. Um, kind of yep. friends. And yet also is on, on her trail and trying to catch her. So it's, it's just a, up. I haven't yeah, seen so, Deborah Winger in so long. When I see her, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know. I like her. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. Anyways, um, there is something like that near far into it where where they're talking about like if this was a movie. Yeah, right? they do. They do. They talk, but but not just once. Like it comes up over and after I read the book, I wished I had underlined how many times I know. they had said met reference TV movies and movies and so many times. Yeah. At the end, they did give Pam, which they said. Which they gave her, uh, she was interviewed by some magazine and, and she got, right. and, and, and it said she can have her 15 minutes of allotted fame. And I was like, who, what kind of allotted fame is that? What do you mean yeah. by that? Who wants that? Like, that's horrible. It's true. It's true. You, maybe you don't get to choose what your 15 minutes of fame is for. <laughs> no. Um, I, I, there was one review I was reading the reviews on Goodreads. Um, I think it's the first review on Goodreads and it says, so I was in the grocery store with my wife. She was in the butcher section. Um, and I just finished reading your book, Mr. Block. Uh-huh. And, uh, she, something happened and she dropped two wrapped packages of meat. Oh. Thanks for that. Mr. Block <laughs> gave me quite a start. Right. And it's like, it's true. This book is unsettling. 
Um, but uh, I love it because yeah, because it really ta- is talking about something that I mean, it's not like everybody I know has met a serial killer and it's dangerous to apply violence. But the the thing is, is, it's happening right now out there in the world, and there aren't people stopping it because they don't know that it's happening. Because the institution is not, you know, the murdered and missing women thing is, it's not like just one thing. It's ongoing. You know, there was, he said a line where he said, it's so easy there. I have a bunch of black garbage bags here. I just put it in the restaurant trash. Like he's, maybe it is that easy. I I, I don't know, but he made it, he sure made it look that easy. Um, But, uh, but, um, you know, the book reminded me when you said that about the um, the meat. The, <laughs> reading this book is agreeing to get in the van because once wow. we're in the van, you know, it's none of it is real. It's all a matter of body parts. We we opened it. We got in the van ourselves. Yeah, Julie. Julie saw what was in the van and jumped out. Julie, <laughs> yes, she did. I'm not getting in. She said, <laughs> "I'm not going down that road." <laughs> And I, I see, I think that that's, that's why, you know, you can sort of see the, in that, remember that Japanese TV movie version of, of, uh, I sure do. The Long Goodbye. Yeah. Um, that is like sort of the cartoon version of what hard boiled is because it's got that, that old fashioned setting. It's not quite real, right? <laughs> Cause he's wearing a fedora and he's in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, music. Yeah. It, it's sort of a jazzy, yeah. sexy sort of thing. Um, there's a lot of drinking, but the drinking isn't, um, doesn't have the consequences of real drinking. Like it does right, in this book. A bridge. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. Taking heroin or yelling at your brother and calling him a junkie. Um, when he's doing, he says that's junky thinking, right? Yeah. Um, uh, Keenan, uh, Keenan basically killed his brother. That is what last he, line. Is he, thinking, right? Yeah, yeah. He's saying, you know, you wanna, you wanna, uh, steal his wallet and then help him try and find it. Mm-hmm. That's right? junky thinking, and that, yeah, that was the last we heard of him. And and he went home, and then he's gone. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, I think the book is much stronger for having two ethnically uh, not whatever the same as the murderers white people are be the uh, victims and and also being their own. See, in the movie, they're they're the victims and the victims, right? Yeah. They don't they they want to uh, get vengeance. They don't get it, right? Mm-hmm. In the in the book. They're the victims, and right, what was the line? Sand nigger, um, the racist, yes. anti-human, anti-humane sort of language that they're using is it, it makes them monsters, right? But when the uh, when Keenan teams up with the Russian gangster guy um, and gives him money, he says, "Don't worry about it. I've got yeah. this much money," and just forget they they try and reproduce that in the movie and it just doesn't quite work in the same way as it works in the books like no we're on the same team we're gonna get justice damn the costs damn the consequences um we're gonna get your daughter back right that is um powerful mm-hmm. really powerful and when when 
I, I didn't think of it at the time I was reading it with Keenan and talking about the, his Phoenician ancestors, right? Yeah. Um, and sort of the dynamics of the two brothers. One's going to be an architect and the other's going to be a doctor and both a drug trafficker and a, and a junkie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them ends up killing himself and the other one has to sort of go off like Matt and be, uh, be broken somewhere. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the movie, they give uh, they give that backstory. I'm not sure. Did they actually give it in in the book this time? I don't remember mm-hmm. uh, about the bullet that Matt fired. Oh, no. Oh, is that real? Because I, I, I didn't it's know from that. other books in the series. Oh, see, I was wondering if if you knew why it was that. So that OK, it didn't make any sense that the movie just gave him that as a reason to be an alcoholic when in the, we didn't That's have right. a reason here. Oh, OK. Uh, but see, he was an alcoholic before that as well, right? <laughs> um, oh, okay. He was an alcoholic before and after. Um, or at least he was, but he was an alcoholic who was not going to AA before. I see. And so in the movie, that's sort of the shorthand that is mostly used in, in, in most of the books. But I don't think it was in the book this time. It was not in the book this time. No. He's got too much other stuff going on uh, to throw that backstory in that we really don't need. We just need to know he's in AA and he's, he's an unlicensed private detective. Did you think it added anything to the movie for that subplot? Peter? I found it, uh, yeah. I found it very, um, sorry. I don't know. Well, I'm sorry. I interrupted your well, question. I, that, oh, so I said, because they, they just put a whole subplot that was not in the book or not overtly in the book. The, with the, um, the the I think it's just designed to create sympathy for Matt Matthew Scudder. The, the affair between Peter and and Keenan's wife. Oh, okay, gotcha. That one. So I I thought that that was unnecessary. Yeah. Um, and I think it de- I think it did exactly the same thing as having Keenan, uh, and um, Peter be have their endings like that. It just undervalue undermines just, the point I, of the book. I I felt like that too. It just made everybody lesser. Yeah. Lessen the integrity of all of them. Not so the one of the, uh, but the, like it, it didn't add anything. It just added, I don't know, Peter, some Peter sort of titillation that didn't, was yeah, not necessary. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, in the, in the book, um, Keenan is a likable person. He's he a, a thoughtful, likable person. He's kind of a jerk, asshole, uh, disdainful person in the movie, right? That's the actor who's playing him has the unenviable role of trying to make us dislike somebody who we're supposed to have sympathy with, for. Mm-hmm. And Peter is, comes off as this scraggly loser, um, right? Who fumbles with the gun, right? And when he fires, it gets killed, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so the, the death of Peter under it sort of makes Matt the hero right that's what I, I figured they just did it because they had to have him be the hero he had to come back like they, they couldn't turned just it into, leave him they out. turned it into a hollywood movie right yeah whereas the book peter uh is a part of the whole thing and he also fucked up um by stealing money from his brother to go get high that he he was supposed to give to matt mm-hmm. if if he needed it right yeah so that's the betrayal and the betrayal is keeping in character with his character, which is he's a junkie 
and he's in a bad situation. They flee by buying drugs and you know. And he, didn't even, he didn't even totally betray him. He kept it in case oh. he needed to betray him. Right, right. And uh, and the betrayal that happens in the movie is it's breaking the solidarity. That yeah. There's no sense that that Peter was lusting after. And also, it it hurts the woman, right? Uh, oh. What's the What's her name? Christine? No, um, no, no. She's Palestinian in the book. Yeah, she's Palestinian. Um, oh, but she, it's not Christine, but it's Catherine, maybe something like that. No, I'll have to look it up. Well, in any case, she Fran- she Francine, 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 Francine. Uh, she is faithful, um, loving, uh, with her husband. You could right? have met her more. unblemished woman with without even a thought of negativity in her head right and you know i was looking forward to that meal that she was gonna make (laughs) it sounded really good (laughs) yes she didn't even she never even bought tv dinners or anything never that's right and uh so he was a bit um but you know he was very not very, he was bossy of her like he wouldn't let her stay out in the sun he told her how much she had to tip he she was like his little treasure you know mm-hmm. like a little glass that's how I, I i felt about it he she mm-hmm. he was he she was his like doll you know yeah and that he tried to he said and then i and then i locked up my house but it was too late because they already took her away yeah well w- one of the things they do in the movie is they 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 take a lot of the dialogue that's you know on the phone or whatever and they they replicate it exactly Right, and whenever that they do that, it's a little better than it it is otherwise in the movie. Mm-hmm. But whenever they diverge, it's always for a bad reason. <laughs> it's always that, that whole subplot with the uh, cemetery guy mm-hmm. threw himself yeah. off a building. It's so uh, I, I I remember watching it the first time and thinking, oh, I didn't see that coming. It's because it's not in the book. <laughs> <laughs> it just sort of cuts out. That's how that, that's how he learns the name of Ray instead of having. TJ right. uh, be so valuable in the process. At the end of this book, we get the sense that TJ is going to become the apprentice, the real true apprentice, mm-hmm. instead of being the fake crappy apprentice he is in the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He, he's, a, he's, he's not a sympathetic, uh, sickly black kid with no mom and dad in the, in the book. He's a person. He's a he's not a character, he's a person. He's and an extremely resourceful, exactly outrageous person. I, I love the way Matt deals with with when he has conversations. He de- he's kind of like the you know, in improv what they say is you you never say no. Yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> he you always say yes to whatever it is. So he he always gives the honest response. He occasionally will make a, a pun or something. But he always gives the short, honest response. Um, and it's like he's come out of AA and he's trying to be real. Mm-hmm. And it just really works as a, a character, what he's doing. You know, you picture him in his crappy uh, hotel um, getting on the subway. Why does he get on the subway? It works, right? Mm-hmm. Why should I pay for the right? All the, all the sort of simple things that he's doing. It's all cartooned in the movie. Yeah, yeah. 
there yeah like all of the like he, it was like he didn't take cabs because he needed to walk he needed to be part yeah. of the street like that that the, the street exactly. was was a character in this like how like it, it was so specific he turned right he turned left on this named street that named right. street like you know it was in it was in his blood and, yeah. and you, you yeah that wasn't in the movie but i don't know how that could be without actually reading it yeah i think i it just makes you say yeah it's a great book <laughs> I did read, though i did read that part of the reason that they didn't put them on the subways and mm-hmm. the movie was because it was too expensive oh to cordon off subways you know um there's a the i think i sent you the audiobook did you see the cover for it this is the original cover rather than the movie cover no i didn't look that okay. guy who did the audiobook was amazing i know he's amazing right yeah he's like um his name is mark hammer um he's just so- is that his real name it's his, as far as i know it's his real name he's an a- he was an actor he's deceased now but um uh he a lot of reviews hate his narration and i understand kind of why if you don't under if you don't understand uh if you haven't been grooving on a certain style of narration where he is the character Mm -hmm. uh he doesn't he performs the book but he performs it as matt performing the book right Mm -hmm. it's slow it's a very slow narration and it totally fits the book it's it's wondrous i think i thought so too like i was just in so many places with him personal personal like personalities yeah each of those characters was so he did jake right he did elaine he did everybody but they're all through the voice of matt right very interesting way of doing that it's what it's why I fell in love with audiobooks back before they were sort of a hot commodity. Really? When it, is, is he one of your top readers? Well, I haven't read a million things with him as the narrator, but um certainly for this book it's it's fabulous. Yeah. And um the original publication in audio um back when recorded books did their own art for their covers is I think the best cover art for any of of the um versions of the book so the modern version uh is just a picture of uh liam neeson yeah uh walking carrying a couple bags right yeah um but i one of the things you said you know he had to walk the cover of the audiobook from recorded books back in the day was uh a dude walking down the middle of a street Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. in the background are all these you know tall buildings just like in New York, right? Except they're all curved on the top. They're tombstones. Interesting. All those tall buildings all over New York, right? Mm-hmm. So it is a walk among the tombstones. You know that? Because- yeah. And the book, though, the the when the, that the whole title, "The Walk Among the Tombstones," it was. I, I thought that was interesting. Yes, about you know the the bodies that were dropped in the in the graveyard and everything. But it was it was it was the, the when he went back and talked to the to the previous victims and searched back through the previous uh-huh. victims. That's walking through the tombstones too. Like it's a really good title and and all that walking through new york where all of that happened it really worked it's 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 why i love lawrence block is he's he really does something special with his writing and one of the things you see in one of the interviews he says i don't like to do a lot of research right oh yeah Uh, 
he, he, uh, the reason Matthew Scudder came about as a series and it was planned as a series is because some other company was going to stop doing a, a police sort of procedural or PI book series. Uh-huh. And his agent said, you know, uh, it'd be a good idea to, to do that. And he thought about it and he said, well, I don't really want to learn all the I don't know anything about cops. I've never been one. <laughs> I am just been a writer. So I can't do a cop police procedural so he sort of came up with his own thing oh, so right? there oh, you go <laughs> that's right um but whenever you read a lawrence block book there is this sense that yeah he hasn't done a hell of a lot of research other than live a life that's all about the contemplation of the th- exact sort of things that are in the book right mm-hmm. uh he he does this amazing thing where you like he there's a series i didn't we didn't touch on it but there's a the evan tanner series is the sort of superhero blind guy right sort of uh james bond sort of guy there's the comedic burglar series the matthew scudder hard-boiled one and there's the chip harrison books mm-hmm. and the chip harrison books are hilarious they're they're sex adventures basically oh <laughs> yeah there's this teenage kid who really really wants to have sex um and it's his adventures in having sex, basically. Okay. <laughs> um, turns into a, like a mystery series. Um, a couple of books down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the second book. Um, but it's basically the adventures of Chip Harrison or him really, really wanting to have sex. Him eventually getting to have sex. and Boy, it's great. But boy, he has a lot of difficulty getting to. Oh, that's funny. I read that, that Lucas Block did a lot of... He started off by writing anonymous... Um, pornography pornography books yeah Yeah. so at that point then by the time he gets to chip he's just playing on that (laughs) (laughs) and then uh this i think later books in that series um are a kind of a takeoff on uh on rex stout's nero wolf series do you know anything about that no okay so nero wolf is a I, i proposed to julie uh not marriage i proposed that we read a nero wolf book in future but she uh she said she could never get into them um i got into nero wolf because of the chip harrison series because i i read the chip harrison books and one of the things lawrence block does is he talks about a lot of other books yeah his books right yeah i think we get a few in here we did we did we got some we got some and i took note and then forgot whatever it was but we did yeah so uh in this, I think the second Chip Harrison book, he meets this uh, guy who wants to be a detective. He sort of came into some money somehow. And so he sets up a detective agency in the vein of Nero Wolf. Um, oh. And he needs somebody to be his his assistant. Uh, because in the Nero Wolf series, um, the main character is Nero Wolf, is a big fat guy with a giant brain who doesn't leave the house. And he loves orchids. That sounds familiar. Did they do anything? Did they make movies or anything about that? There was a wonderful, wonderful A&E series from the very early 90s um, with Maury Chaikin playing Nero Wolf and uh, Timothy Hutton playing the assistant. I don't know if I don't think I saw it, but but this sounds familiar for I don't know why. Yeah, it's it's sort of like another variation on Sherlock Holmes, right? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a very fun series. Anyways, in the Chip Harrison book, the uh, the guy, instead of having 
orchids as his, you know, his passion. He he loves tropical fish. <laughs> right? So it's it's already sort of making fun of of the subject that it loves so much. Yeah. And uh, and Chip Harrison has to learn to be a detective, uh, which means he has lots of sex adventures on the way, right? Because it's sort of a comedy. Sounds like a blast. It is a blast. He's he's such a fun writer. I love Lawrence Block. I, I, I'm going to go back now, but not this sort of book. <laughs> I think I think this is probably the harshest one there is. There's a lot of other ones with murders and stuff, but they're they're not like this. So I, what's I my title? With what's, this a, what's a title that I... <laughs> I don't want to give you another one. Oh, no. I might be wrong. Eight Million Ways to Die was the other one that I was thinking of because there was also a movie for that. I know there was, they, apparently he was not happy with that movie. I didn't see it. Yeah, I. it's set in Los Angeles, which doesn't help it. But honestly, I think it's probably better than the, the new Tombstones movie. Oh, just yes. It has at least the, it has the vintage uh, vintage quality, you know. It's in set in the eighties. It has Andy Garcia as the bad guy, who's also kind of the good guy, mm-hmm. and uh, Jeff Jeff Bridges is the uh, Matt Scudder. I, I love Jeff Bridges. Yeah, he's fun. I think Rosanna Arquette is the girl. Mm. Remember if she's Elaine or not? But okay, so if if I was to go though, would I go to Evan Tanner or? Yeah, so uh hmm where, where you know what? I think the burglar books is probably the next best step. First burglar book is uh what's it called? Um I can't remember what it's called, but it, there's a whole bunch of burglar series books and the first one's really good. Bur- I really Bur- enjoy is that. Is that the that's not the Bernie Rodenbar books? Yeah, that's the Bernie Oh, okay, Rodenbar. one of those. Bernie, okay. Bernie Rodenbar is is a is the burglar. Okay. And he he solves mysteries because, especially in the first one, because he has to. Okay. Um, later on, he gets a, a friend who's a raging lesbian. <laughs> no, she's not actually raging. She's just a lesbian character. She's not before. an angry. Okay. <laughs> no, she's not. She's actually quite nice. Okay. Um, but in back in the time when these books came out, lesbians as main characters in books, or at least friends in books, was very unusual. Mm. Uh, and she has like a pet sh- uh, dog cheering business or something. Okay. And he ends up getting a, a bookstore, which makes for m- much more uh, literary stuff. Oh, okay. I'll I will look for one of those. I think we're done. I think we are. Oh, there was one other thing. I learned something. Okay. What did you learn? I learned that if I get into a hard into into a, a a hard time. If I have trouble, all I have to say is code five supersedes and capture my <laughs> outstanding instructions. <laughs> Sounds great, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Code five alert or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Supersedes and countermands. <laughs> supersedes and countermands. Yes. <laughs> Your standing instructions. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com.